All right, I uh, got my man Alex Zitlo back in the studio with us. How are you, sir? Doing great, Langston. Beautiful sunny day in Charlotte. <laughs> the temperature's going down, though. Somebody turn the, the, the heat off. Uh, Alex, the Panthers are 0-6. It's their worst start in 25 years. This was after Panthers officials got the fan base all excited. They were talking Super Bowls, multiple Super Bowls, and being competitive immediately. Was that jumping the gun, or did they just have so many injuries that the promise of the season fell apart? I think it's a little bit of both. I think immediately saying that trading up for Bryce Young would – turn into Super Bowls, even if that even if that meant Super Bowls in a couple years, mm. that does something to a fan base. And I think it's also worth saying that at 0-6, no matter what was the messaging, mm. fans are going to be upset at 0-6. You can't get a win in six weeks in the NFL, this league that is known for its parity. That's mm. not good. So I think it was a combination of both. And of course, the injuries didn't help as well because as has been said on this podcast, the team wasn't particularly deep to begin with. And so losing two huge defensive leaders in the first two weeks, plus having lingering injuries across the board, it's all been kind of a disaster thus far. Did anything surprise you Sunday with the Dolphins game? Everybody's talking about the hard start they got off to. I think the whole first quarter was a huge surprise. I mean, the first drive for the Panthers was a three and out, and mm-hmm. that was kind of a, okay, here we go again. But then the Panthers caused a three and out on the Dolphins' first drive, which mm-hmm. was remarkable. Um, and then the Panthers go down and score two quick touchdowns. Adam Thielen, you know, featured prominently in those two drives. He is – his season – is a huge pleasant surprise for the Panthers thus far. He's really the guy, the only guy. I I saw a stat before coming into the game. He was the leading receiver in third down, on on third down. And that is in most yards, most receptions, and I think in average. Can you go to a Pro Bowl from a 2-15 and team? I think if anyone could, Adam could this year because he is really the – only target that Bryce Young feels comfortable throwing to when he absolutely needs to. He doesn't have the, you know, he doesn't have the deep threat ability that some of the other guys on this roster um, claim to have, but (laughs) claim. well, uh, because we haven't seen any deep throws yet, but um, he is so reliable in that 11 yard, six yard to 11 yard kind of place. He can find space. He can, he's reliable. He's got great hands. So, He's been special. And then, of course, the thing that really surprised everyone was the fake punt, first fake punt that Frank Wright has ever called as a head coach. Mm-hmm. And it didn't work. And then everything kind of crumbled. From I'm not mad at that call, though. I mean, you're 0-5. You're you got a chance to, you know, to, to go back, to extend your lead again. You know, why not take that chance? And, you know, LaVisca not slipped. I think he may have made that. You know, he kind of slipped. His foot slid out. I thought maybe had he not slipped, I think he would have extended past the first down mark. And who knows what happens after that? Oh, they completely caught the Dolphins by surprise. That should have been a first down. I mean, between – I mean, Johnny Hecker is known for having probably the second best arm on – or the third best arm on the team. Yeah. Because he's – because every time I see him in practice, he is just throwing dots. Um Mm. But he threw it a little bit behind LaVisca, and then LaVisca slipped, and then he uh, stepped out of bounds before extending the yeah. ball past the first down uh, marker. It, it, 
the design was great. The execution, yeah. not so much. Speaking of Hecker, what do you think of the headbutt to knock down a 230-pound linebacker? Well, it was funny. If you watch the replay, he shoves Cameron Good with all yes. of his might. Like, yeah, and he moves about this much. Yes. <laughs> and then he goes up and he, like, confronts him yeah. and, like, barely touches his face mask. And then uh, Cameron Good falls down. Yeah, falls down like he's fighting Mike Tyson. Yeah, it was um, – it was funny to say the least. And also, if you know Johnny Hecker, like mm-hmm. from the locker room, if you've talked to him, yeah. he is a competitor, yes. But he, but I wanted to know what Cameron Good possibly could have said to set him off like that. Yeah, Perhaps yeah. he said something about the – Johnny Hecker would not have responded like that if Cameron was just, you know, heckling Johnny himself. He must have said something – like really bad about the special teams unit or something like that. Most professional fights are about women and money, but I don't know where they would have <laughs> had <laughs> two things come together with those two players. But I've had a lot of pro athletes tell me that most professional fights are about two things, women and money. So Yeah, um, I have no idea what that could have possibly been yeah. about then. But hey, I mean it came in it came in the closing minutes of a game that was already lost for the Panthers, showed a little bit of fight yeah, and spirit. I think the I think the team's cool with it. Do you want your spunk coming from your punter though? <laughs> it's gotta come from somewhere, like so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the big news came out after the game, uh when the team got back to Charlotte. They made a very big change. Uh, tell everybody about it. So Frank Reich told his players and his staff that he is going to be giving up play calling duties, which is something that he is like um known throughout the league for being really for being a really good play caller he's giving that responsibility up to thomas brown the team's offensive coordinator thomas brown is this guy who is a rising star in the league he um you know has so many uh good credentials to his name this was a decision that frank reich said was 100 percent his decision did not come from the front office um he also said that the timing was right and this was a plan from the beginning of the season. So Frank was targeting this bye week as a chance for Thomas Brown to take the reins, really get to know this offense in a new way. Because of course, even though he has been commanding and leading all the offensive meetings, he hasn't been the one in the game calling the plays, having the final say in this sort of thing. So this is, this is a change that the offense needs. This is not necessarily this one move will solve all the offense's problems, but at 0-6 on an offense that is in the bottom half of the league in scoring and in most offensive categories, a change needed to happen. Something had to give, and Frank decided to go with this. There are a couple things that are interesting kind of coming off of this decision. One of which is Thomas Brown is a rising star in this league, as I said, and he did have a whole bunch of head coaching interviews mm-hmm. this past offseason. Mm-hmm. And so this is a huge deal for Thomas Brown. This is a huge deal in his career. Does mm-hmm. he kind of step up and have and like kind of lead an outburst of offense in these next three games after the bye week? If mm-hmm. so, I mean, he is going to be targeted at for head coaching jobs next year, probably. And this, and of course the same could be the opposite. If the offense kind of flounders, what does that mean for his, what does that mean for his career as well? So yes, this is a joyful moment for the team as players have said, they're really excited to work with him in this way, but also it is a little bit of a gamble. 
little pushback. If the Panthers were four and two, even three and three, you think they make this move right now? It's difficult to say. I think it would be difficult for Frank to give it up at this point, uh, yeah. or at that point, if they were four and two, because he loves play calling. I mean, yeah. he loves being in the crosshairs. He loves that part of the game. He even said in his press conference yesterday that it was kind of an emotional thing for him to like forfeit these responsibilities. It's yeah. it's it's what he enjoys doing. He was at the forefront of the no huddle offense um, yeah. years and years ago. He is been the play caller when his teams have gone to Super Bowls. I mean, this is this is part of Frank Reich's identity. However, he giving off the play calling duties to Thomas kind of gives Frank a more CEO role, particularly in the game. He can kind of focus and make sure that the defense is playing up to par. He mm-hmm. can make he can spend more time with the special teams. He can make sure that you know, the pre-snap penalties and other operational issues that the Panthers have been plagued with mm-hmm. aren't as prominent in the game. So there is a trade-off here, but to your point, this wasn't an easy decision for Frank. And I and if I and if they weren't so bad, if they weren't off to this historically bad start, I don't know if it would have come this early. Do you think Thomas I mean I looked up this stat before we came on. The Panthers scored twelve total touchdowns, two of them on defense. Mm-hmm. They have two rushing touchdowns all season. Do you think that Thomas Brown can shuffle the deck enough, um, maybe use Chuba Hubbard a little more, Miles Sanders a little less, throw the ball over the top a little more? I mean, I don't know. What do you What do you think? In talking to people in the organization, I think the prominent changes that you're going to see with Thomas Brown as the play caller is you're going to see more runs probably. Mm-hmm. So to your mm-hmm. point, that'll probably mean Chuba um, mm-hmm. is more of a featured back. And mm-hmm. two, you're going to see less no huddle and more huddle play calls. Mm-hmm. So the whole idea of a no huddle offense, the 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 motif, if you will, is a tired offensive lineman is better than a tired defensive lineman, mm-hmm. and that is like kind of Frank's go to. That is his thesis on football. Mm-hmm. Get the, get the play going, like. Keep, this is also a way to sustain drives too. You can sustain drives with the no huddle offense. It's mm-hmm. not just bing, bang, boom. Like, But I think Thomas has a little bit of a different approach when it comes to that. I think he believes in slowing the pace down a little bit from that perspective. I think also an important perspective too is you're now getting a play caller who wasn't just a quarterback. I mean, you yeah. have so many former quarterbacks in that room already, in that offensive mm-hmm. room between mm-hmm. Josh McCown and Frank Reich and everybody. And so this is going to be a new perspective and diversity of thought is always good in the NFL, particularly when your team is struggling. So you think the Panthers may look more like what we saw the first two drives against Miami when there was a heavier dose of running and actually moving the ball? I think that's a possibility. I mean, the the thing about the running in the beginning of the Miami game was it was mm-hmm. all downhill. It was mm-hmm. hit the hole and don't try to do too much. Mm-hmm. Whereas, how many times, Langston, have we seen at the beginning of these uh, beginning of this season where Bryce Young hands the ball off to Miles Sanders and he's just dancing in the backfield? Who was running on Sunday? Who was running in the times you were talking about? Well, the same with Chuba as well. I mean, I I know what the point you're getting at is. Uh, was Miles Sanders kind of? Uh, no, my question is: my, Is Miles Sanders 100 percent healthy? I'm not saying he's not okay. a good player. We know he's a good player, but okay. is he 100 percent healthy? Has uh, he been? 100%? We, well, in terms of has he been throughout the games, 
leading up to this. He has shown up on the injury report a whole bunch this season. And we don't know if he's going to be healthy at this point for um, the bye week, but this is a great time for, you know, Panthers players to get healthy during this bye. We're going to have a whole bunch of guys coming back after this bye if uh, what I've been hearing is correct. Among them, Austin Corbett, he'll also help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah, this will be a really important week to not only self-scout, but also to get healthy for the Panthers. Let's talk about Bryce Young a little bit. Um, you know, you and I have talked about C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young. C.J. Stroud has – it's fourth in the league in passing, 1,660 yards, nine touchdowns, one interception. Bryce has 967 yards, six touchdowns, and four interceptions. People are going to pair these two together forever. They're about to play the Texans. Um, what's your take on Bryce versus – CJ, should we even be worried about that? Is it just two different teams, two different philosophies, and we have to give Bryce more time? I wonder if people just all of a sudden have amnesia when it comes to the beginning of – when it comes to back in April during the draft process. Every single report that I've seen, every single you know fan thread on Twitter or X or whatever, I think it was Twitter back then, everyone said that they preferred Bryce Young. They loved his ability to process um, defenses and also just just generally being smart. They loved his clutch gene that they had that he had in Alabama. They loved the fact that he was a winner. Um, you know, everyone said that. Cam Newton went on his podcast and said that they that he wanted Bryce Young. Thomas Davis said that he wanted Bryce Young. Like, everyone wanted him. And so this and so I think there's a little bit of Monday morning quarterbacking, so to speak, when saying, hey, was Bryce Young the right decision? I think all signs indicated that he was back in April. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, what situations have they fallen into? Bryce Young is kind of coming into a tough place where two offensive linemen are injured early. It's also a young offensive line, even though a bunch were together last year. I mean, your left tackle is still a second year in Nikki Iquanu. Um, you got a completely new backfield and Miles Sanders being the guy. You got a, basically a completely new receiving core. Mm-hmm. So, like, there are a lot of moving pieces and, of course, a completely new coaching staff. My, my question, though, when you're looking at the – you know, we just see the TV angle. When you're looking down from the box – other yep. than Adam Thielen, are you seeing receivers open for him to throw to? Because I've seen a lot of graphics showing that his windows are tighter than everybody else's windows. Yeah, no, he his no. To answer your to answer your question, no, receivers are struggling getting separation. Tight ends are struggling like getting open at all. When when people say Panthers need to get their tight ends more involved, I don't think that's a product of Bryce Young, or I don't think that's a product of scheme. Also, I think that is a product of. Tight ends just aren't getting open. It, so you think receivers should be a priority in the offseason, be it free agency or be it in the draft? Yes. I think I think most people would say I think most people would say that. Yeah. But at this moment, I think your follow-up question would be, do the Panthers make a move at the trade deadline for a receiver? And I don't think that is smart because um you you don't want to give away the few assets you have, the few healthy assets that you have at this point in the season, in my opinion, namely Brian Burns. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, that is Alex Zettler's opinion. That might not be the front office's opinion. That might not be Mike Kay's opinion, but I don't think that you should give away a superstar like Brian 
who wants to be in Carolina, who can really help a good defense mm-hmm. at this point. I don't, I don't think, I don't think that's smart. Little pushback. If, if, if a receiver could come in and build Bryce's confidence, he has a really great back half of the year. Would that make a difference? Sure. It would make a difference, but, but who could do that? You would need an elite receiver. We, I think we talked about this last week. Can you get that guy number 10 from Miami for a little while? Oh, well, okay. Tyree Kill can make careers. So if we're to, if if he's on the market, then That's sure. That's over 2,000 yards this year. Yeah, remarkable. And a backflip to his name, too. With a camera. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the defensive struggles. The 10th best pass defense in the league, not bad, but the mm-hmm. run defense has been bad. Something I was worried about. In the three four, Mike and I talked about it a lot early on. They're giving up nearly five yards a carry. Um, they have a lot of injuries. It, can they fix that, or they're just going to try to outscore people back after the season? Well, they're going to have to try to fix that. Exactly how they do that, it's it's unclear. I mean, the like you said, linebackers are beaten up. I mean, Frankie Luvu has a hip injury that he's kind of playing through right now. Obviously, Shaq Thompson's done for the year. Where do you turn to to kind of fix this running, this rushing issue? When you have a weakness like that on a defense, the answer is to put more guys in the box. Or mm-hmm. if your weakness is in the passing game, to like put more people in the secondary. Well, mm-hmm. both are kind of exposed right now. So, you know, the Panthers' defense is going to have to get creative to kind of quell that problem. They're giving up 84 points in two games. That's, I mean, that's like Big 12, you know? <laughs> well, in fairness, played the Dolphins, who are kind of the reincarnation of the greatest show on turf, except this time they're on natural grass. Mm. And, um, you know, but of course, giving up giving up 42 points in two straight games isn't, that's not a winning formula, particularly no, with this offense, not yeah, a winning you, formula. You, don't see, you don't see that in the NFL too much. I mean, especially yeah. nowadays, teams can't score 25. Yeah. Um, all right, let's talk about the future. The Panthers have a bye this week, so they're off, get a little rest. You guys get rest on the weekend. Hope you get a chance to get away, go see your folks, do whatever. But then uh, they have the Texans, the Colts, and the Bears coming up. The Texans and Colts at home, then at Chicago. I got to say, I think C.J. Stroud will circle this game on his counter. I got to say D.J. Moore will probably circle this game on his counter. But I think Frank Wright probably circled the Colts game on his counter. So what do you think about the Panthers' chances of getting into the win column maybe multiple times over the next three weeks? I think I think winning these three games are a possibility. I feel a little silly. Whoa, 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 whoa. Time out. You said all three. Yes, I said all three. I wow. and I was going to before you cut me off and kind of pointed out the fact that what I'm saying might be construed as ridiculous. Um, is that I was really high on this team at the beginning of the year. I thought that they had a legitimate chance to win the division, and I own that. That is not going to happen anymore. Um, but the, but these first six games are always going to be a really difficult stretch of this team's schedule. And after the bye, you get a chance to get healthy. You get a chance to do some self scouts, see who you are, see what you can become. The Panthers, although they didn't score in the second half, had some real offensive momentum in, against Miami. They proved that they could run the ball. Chuba had like 88 yards on the ground, which is the most by any running back for the, for the Panthers, like, by a mile. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of positives. And like you said, the Colts, Anthony Richardson hurt in the long term. Justin Fields will probably be back by the time the Panthers play them, but mm-hmm. he's kind of dealing with a right thumb, right hand injury. 
Mm-hmm. And I mean, the Texans, they have been overachieving all year. C.J. Stroud, like you said, probably thinks that he um, had the number one spot locked up in Carolina, and so mm-hmm. he'll probably be extra motivated for that. But we've seen that he can be vulnerable last week because he finally threw his first interception. I mean, <laughs> what a crazy stat, by the way. Yeah. That he went so long without throwing an interception. Absolutely. Um, I think all three of these games are winnable, particularly if the defense can sustain how good they can be in the first half. The thing is, is that if the defense stays off the field, if they're Mm -hmm. not put in bad situations, they can hold off the best defense. They can hold off the best offenses in the league. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is that the moment that the Panthers just go three and out, three and out, three and out, and the defense gets tired or Panthers come to turnover or they fail on a fake punt and give up bad field positioning, that's when everything kind of goes down a slip. I'm not mad at that caller. I'm not mad at it. No, you got to. You got to. But I'm just saying this defense is good. Mm-hmm. And against three teams where the offense has been up and down, the, the defense can keep the Panthers in these games. You know, something that something I did notice, Alex, and we talked about it last week, against the Lions uh, when that game was over and they were playing soft defense, Bryce was able to, you know, get it rolling a little bit. I saw that, you know, kind of roll over into the first part of the Miami game. I mean, he made some throws. I was like, oh, okay, that's the guy, you know. And and I think he's getting better. Bill Cowher, you know, Pittsburgh Steelers Super Bowl championship coach, talked about it on the CBS halftime show, pregame halftime show, I think it was. He said Bryce is, is getting better. I see that, and I see him coming on. And and maybe this, this stretch of games is when he kind of, you know, comes out of his shell and has that 350-yard, 400-yard passing day. And they get a win. I mean, I can see that happening. I, I, I kind of agree with you. I think these next three games are crucial. I think these next three games are winnable. Don't know if they win all three. I can see them winning two. I can see them winning two. We can see it. I mean, at the end of the day, getting in the win column is priority number one. I think that Tom. I'm, I'm saying it right now. They beat Houston. All right. I'm picking, I'm picking it. They're beating Houston. Absolutely. All right. Let's go, Langston. Look forward to your, to your reasoning and our prediction. Well, I'm also in last place. So, I mean, I don't know. Don't know. <laughs> In fairness, you're the, you're only in last place because you are optimistic, and the people who are pessimistic are getting rewarded, aka Scott Fowler. So yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> All right, guys. No matter where you're watching this, make sure you like, share, subscribe. Come back next week for more processing blue. That's Alex. I'm Langston, and we hope to see you next week.